Good morning. Welcome to Crime Talk BK. We're your hosts, Joanna Perfect and Megan Delphi. Morning. Oh, this has been a bit of a week. Um, <laughs> to say the least, it's been a sad yeah. ass week. It's been a sad ass week. Uh, so, uh, we have, well, I guess really just one announcement that's been weighing on our minds. So maybe we should just get it out of the way. Uh, but. Ruth Bader Ginsburg died on us. How dare she? Um, and uh, the Trump administration is trying very hard to her seat as quickly as they can, even though it was Scalia, right? Who died under Obama? Yep. And he died like a year before the election, and all the Republicans were just like, wait. Oh, yeah, they totally blocked Merrick Garland from being appointed. Yeah. So, and I mean, what is it? Um, Senate Republicans are claiming that the reason why it was inappropriate then but appropriate now is because uh, the president, what the president's um, party had a majority in Congress. And I'm like... I guess, but I feel like this is a little bit arbitrary. And also, even if it were the case, I feel like a month before an election is maybe a little bit rushing it. Like, usually it takes a couple a couple months, and that's if it goes quick. Well, they have all the senators on the Judiciary Committee, including the leader, Lindsey Graham, came out back then saying we would not allow a Supreme Court justice to be appointed during an election year. And they're now all saying, you, well, it, you would do it too if you were in our position. That's their current argument. Like, motherfuckers, I can't with you. Yeah. And then it's also like, I don't know. I mean, with things like abortion or with same-sex marriage, uh, where there's already a precedent going one way, um, like, in support of these things. Like, folks in New York might not be in as bad of a place because our state laws are still going to be, um, like, in support of women's choice, in support of same-sex marriage. Uh, but there's, like, a lot of stuff that can't be decided at the state level that the federal, that SCOTUS might have to rule on. Um, and then also, we as a country can't abandon conservative states. You know, I mean, like, well, I mean, the current administration wants to abandon all liberal states. I mean, but hey, people. well, hello from our anarchist territory, Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> Come on. I don't know. As a, southerner i always think about you know it's like what must it be like to be a someone without a lot of money in mississippi right now mm. well you probably think so i'm suing you a favor and he's not but we, we we can't leave folks behind so um but it's making us a little bit too sad to talk about today so we're going to 
I think put this stuff on the back burner for the moment, and then in a few weeks, when stuff starts really ramping up in the Senate, we will return to this topic. Yeah. Right. Particularly when we have a nominee. Yeah. Oh, feelings. Lots of feelings. Mm. Mm-hmm. So glad Trump is probably going to get to nominate two justices. I just, I can't. Let's not talk about it anymore. Okay, on that point, today is National Voting Registration Day. Your deadline to vote, to register to vote in New York is October 9th. Get that shit done. Yeah. And then on that note, I know this is probably asking a lot of some people, but if you can vote in person and New York has early voting, um, I strongly encourage you to. Uh, I am immunocompromised. I do not relish the idea of standing in line and voting in the booth. I'd much rather vote by mail. By mail. But it seems possible, likely even, that if uh, Trump loses, he's going to try to invalidate the results by saying that there was um, voter fraud through the mail, which is not an issue. That will not be a thing that happens. Um, but you can't say that if you vote in person. So, yeah, early voting in New York City starts on October twenty fourth, and it goes through Sunday, November first. And then, of course, voting election day is the third. Right. Oh. <laughs> um. So, uh, you just want to jump into our topics? Sure. Oh, I want to do one thing that I saw today before I get into um, the other things is that I was reading a report today because you don't know, already know, I am a huge fan of Edward Snowden and I follow him on Twitter Uh and, um, and CNN came out with this report today that said he agrees to give up more than $5 million from his book and speech proceeds to the U.S. government. Um, So he tweeted, uh, I did not agree to this. Um, It is not a settlement. And the, the judgment from censorship, which is the government trying to suppress his book because he published the book, uh, called permanent record without the government's permission, which does go against his c- contract to the, with the CIA. However, it's not a settlement. It's not signed, and the judge has not approved it. I am a little pissed off that this is some irresponsible reporting on the media's part that they're saying this was some sort of... He agreed to give them all, all the money from his book. I'm upset because that's not the case. So... Now that that's off my chest, now I'm willing to move forward. I saw a really great exhibit um, at the Whitney um, in the Before Times uh, by Laura Laura Poitras, who's an artist who spent um, quite a bit of time with Edward Snowden, and I think she worked on that documentary about him. Mm -hmm. And uh, she, her art is focused on the idea of the surveillance state. 
Um, but not really how the alt right's using that word. Um, she went to, um, I think, like Iraq and Afghanistan, and um, it was more about kind of the insidious ways that the war over terrorism has become entrenched in like normal people's lives over there. Mm-hmm. So it's like. <sighs> It was like one of the videos was this kid who's playing on the roof with his older brother, and they're both under the age of 10. And they see um, drones flying over, and they both start, like, talking about it to each other and incorporate it into their imaginary game. Stuff like that. Oh, my God. I know, right? But every time I think of Edward Snowden, (laughs) I think of, of her and of that exhibit. So. Um, Uh, Yeah. Okay, so well, on all this stuff, why don't we talk about um, Roger Stone first? Oh, you want to hear my silly Stone information? I mean, he is the latest, greatest, absurdist of our time. Let me see. Uh, So, just to preface this, I found this really wonderful article on City and State uh, written by... The illustrious journalist, uh, Zach Williams, who I went to grad school with. <laughs> oh, nice. I was so excited. I'm just like reading this. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I wonder who wrote it. And I scroll down to the bottom. I'm like, that guy looks familiar. And I went up to the top and it was like, Zach Williams. I'm like, ah, oh, that's where he ended up. He was one of the better students in our class. I was like following him around being like, teach me how to do things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... If I butcher his article, please do not hold it against him. He is not the one that's inaccurate. And actually, I strongly encourage all of you to read his work at City and State. He's cool, and he has a lot of journalistic integrity. I strongly advise everybody to do their own research, because inevitably, we're going to butcher something on this show. Just just saying. Like all the million times we have before. <laughs> it's just part of the package. Anyway, um <laughs> Do you think that uh, Tom Tenney ever gets Correction Corner emails about our show? He's never emailed me about it. I've never gotten a post about it. Um, He's, like, secretly printing them out and putting them in a drawer. And then if we ever, like, do something horrible and stop paying our dues, he, like, slams it on our desk. Maybe. He also also could be he's holding it against me because I never got a birthday, happy birthday wish on the the radio media board. So, whatever. (laughs) He sounds petty. Um, so going back to, to Roger Stone, um, I didn't know how weird he was. Um, Girl, he's got a tattoo of fucking Richard Nixon on yeah, his back. Okay, fair. But when I think of Roger Stone, that's not like the first thing that leaps into my mind. Of course, now it is because I've been reading up on him with Nixon. Uh but, okay, so now for the current stuff, and this is something that I actually think that you mentioned on a prior podcast. Um, so, as everyone knows, he was arrested this past January for obstructing the Russia investigation and uh, was sentenced with 40 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, since then, uh, Donald Trump has commuted his sentence, and so I don't think he even actually served any time in prison. No. It wasn't a full pardon, but he didn't have to spend any time in jail. So, Roger Stone's sitting pretty. He has 
a very weaselly way of getting out of things. Uh, as you can tell from his track record um, that Zach put together, are you ready for this, Megan? It's Give it to me. All right. So it starts in the 1960s where as a teenager in Lewisboro, New York, uh, he was, like, running for class president, like, in high school. God, could you imagine? Roger Stone for class... Ugh. This is probably pre-Nixon tattoo. Uh, he convinced this guy, who wasn't very popular, to run against him. He's just like, oh, it'll be so much fun. College, you... Colleges love it. You know? So he kind of, like, got this guy to run against him that he didn't think would be able to beat him. And then he took all of the people that he thought would be his rivals. And he's like, oh, well, if you support me for class president, I'll do so-and-so for you. Or I'll make you secretary or whatever. And so he, like, stacked it in his favor. And I'm like, he's been doing that. And it worked, I'm sure. And it's been doing that ever fucking since. But I just cannot believe that Roger Stone is, like, a 17-year-old. Is like, wah ha 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 I'll get the unpopular kid to run against me like are you a super villain sir not to say that kanye west is unpopular but in certain circles he might be and i don't think that the republican party backing his run for president of the united states in certain states is actually far from that it's the same fucking thing I just, but that would be peeling votes away from Trump. No, it's peeling votes away from Biden. With with, with, with Kanye he, West. Chat. He is he would run as an independent third party. Oh. And because Kanye has, you know, that's what the, this is. This young is the strategy. The, yeah, the young fans, black fans, all these people. You know, I mean, the Trump administration was caught trying to pay his way onto the ballot in Wisconsin. Oh, my God. Was he really? Yes. I didn't realize that. Dear Lord. Sound of the dogs. Like, all right. So I'm watching West Wing, West Wing right now. And it seems just like almost vomit inducing. Unrealistic, to be honest. Like super wholesome politics. Nowadays. Yeah. Totally. And, uh, like, I was like, oh, so cute. This is what we thought the process was like. And, like, in the world of West Wing, all the stuff that's happening now would be so unimaginable. Like, the scandals in that show, the scandals under Bush, under Clinton, like, don't hold a candle to anything that's going on now. Could you imagine if, if like, any of our past, like, couple of presidents they try to do any of the crap that Donald Trump's doing, like the way Trump's doing it. I know. I don't. Like, I know. What? I, I'd anyway. still fucking take Jeb Bartlett for president of the United States. I still would. <laughs> he would be um, good disability representation. Mm -hmm. But uh, we can talk about that another time. I have a bone to pick, actually, with Westing over your uh, representation of the mess but anyway um yeah so donald trump is 
doing, trying to do the moves, I guess, that Roger Stone did as a 17-year-old. Oh, man. Oh, and of course, Roger Stone's probably helping out on this campaign, too, I'd imagine. That's like what, what Roger Stone does, is he um, is like the campaign manager. Which I didn't realize until reading this article, because up until this point, his role on the Trump campaign seemed weird and nebulous. But theoretically, he's like a strategist for candidates. No, he's still nebulous. I mean, that's... <laughs> Come on. The whole... You know, the whole sign anything? That whole fucking cabal is nebulous. Like, every single person involved in that campaign is a, is a walking disease. <laughs> anyway, um... So what happened next? Oh, something called Watergate. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know that Roger Stone was like actually directly involved in Watergate, but he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I guess explains the Nixon tattoo. But it's like, I would be so ashamed if I worked for a president who got impeached. He has no shame. Yeah, I guess not. I want there to be in like 20 years when, it, when the country's better. I want there to be a docu-series, like a docudrama about Roger Stone. <laughs> I want him like, running, yeah, I want him and that whole bunch of cronies running naked down the path where we can all throw shit at them and scream, shame, shame, shame. <laughs> it's like the season finale of Tiger King 4.0. Oh, it's a really bad Game of Thrones reference, but but okay. <laughs> I got it. I see what you're Anyway, uh-huh. uh... Yeah, so Roger Stone, as a young whippersnapper um, after college, worked at the Office of Economic Opportunity, which actually sounds quite boring. Uh, So Stone hired a Republican operative who was given the pseudonym Sedan Chair 2, yikes, to infiltrate the McGovern campaign. Oh, I remember this. Like, much more directly involved than I thought he was. Yeah. Uh, he also, oh, I got a kick out of this. Roger Stone also pretended to um, make a campaign contribution on behalf of the Young Socialist Alliance to Nixon's rival um, during the primaries. Like someone was, I guess, like running against Nixon on the same party ticket. And uh, then Roger, Snow, Roger Stone released the uh like the receipt to the press to make this like republican look like he's being backed by oh socialists and i'm like that is so conniving yeah that's kind of fucked up it's really good it's also because it's on on the grand scheme of political you know dark movements it's also so fucking petty I know that's that's like something I'm over and over again impressed by Roger Stone is how small potatoes a lot of the stuff that he does is, you know? Yeah, it's like, I know. I mean, it's like it's fun to gossip about, but is it really causing a crisis for the other person? Maybe not. Like what? No, but it's it's. It's just another chink in that person's armor, right? Because it's a it's nonstop barrage of bullshit. Oh sure, but it's just like I just want to sit him down and be like, Roger, buddy, you you got to stop. Raj, 
<laughs> but I kind of want to get a beer with him. Is that bad? Like, what you is would. he like as a person? You totally would. <laughs> what does that mean? Because you like to you like to hobnob, like not I wouldn't say hobnob. <laughs> you like you like hanging out and having a beer with old weird political dudes. <laughs> okay, if you do that, then I get to be your bartender, so I can just overhear. <laughs> And then I can just say I really wasn't there. It wasn't my thing. <laughs> <laughs> we should invite him on the show. Mm-hmm. I'll send him. Oh, an yeah, email. He, he totally say yes. He totally say yes. Oh my god, we should we should invite Anthony Scaramucci on the crunch. Oh, uh, the mooch. Okay, listen. He was my favorite out of everybody at the White House in this particular administration. He, like, lasted 10 days. All 10 days of him. I love him so much. Because he's still out there going, that guy is an asshole and he's crazy as a motherfucker. I love him. The mooch. So, at the time I was working for, um... Actually, I'm not going to tell that story. We're just going to skip that. Moving on. Okay. I've heard some interesting Scaramucci stories. But I think that they were not for radio consumption. Anyway. Hmm. Okay, what else you got on the rod? Uh, let me see. Um, in uh, 1980. Oh, this one's funny and bizarre. Okay, so Ronald Reagan is running against Carter in 1980. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me see. Roger Stone is working with Roy Cohn. Does that name sound familiar? Oh. He's, yeah. Lawyer for Trump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trump uh, so they had um, a great idea uh, to try to get a liberal party candidate named John Anderson. Um, it's a little bit confusing, but I believe they were trying to get him endorsed by New York State delegates during the Democrat convention. He ran as a third. Okay, now look, I, my memory could be bad because I was only nine or ten years old during that election. But I will tell you, I think he ran as a third candidate in that election. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's it's hard for me to tell if it was like at the convention level or if it was um the um delegates of like the electoral college. Uh, but either way, um, they wanted New York to have a split ticket where New York would actually go towards this third-party candidate and then just eliminate New York as someone that could go to Carter. Uh, well, Carter got trounced, so I don't think it would have mattered at that point. But, okay. Uh, but what they did uh, was uh, Roger Stone was, like, I think he was, like, given a suitcase or something. And he was, like, I don't know what's in this suitcase. I just think you might like it. I'm going to leave it in your office, and then you can open it. No idea what it is. Just no idea. Oh, okay, Raj. It was $125,000 for the delegates. Yeah. And um, so (laughs) Roger Stone attempted to bribe a key party member. So that it would go third party and New York would not support Carter. Anyway, um, I'm like, 
That's something right there. He should not have gotten a job after that, doing anything. Like oh, he became huge in the Republican Party after that because of how successful that campaign went for. But Ronald it's Reagan. like okay, so we have Watergate. We have a mysterious suitcase. We have his high school shenanigans, like over. <laughs> Uh, let me see what else. Um, all right. So in the 2000 Florida recount of Bush v. Gore, and I actually remember this. This is my first memory of politics. Um, Roger Stone, Roger Stone led this Republican protest into storming the Miami Dade election office. I do remember this vaguely. <sighs> Oh, my God. He says that he regrets it because, in hindsight, he thinks Al Gore would have handled 9-11 better than Bush and that there wouldn't have been a war in Iraq. Um, I think that's true because I don't think that they would have lied about weapons of mass destruction in the Gore administration. However, I think he would have generally been a weaker president because he was. he's also kind of a twit. He's also, but I mean, also both, I'm like, Roger, that's what you regret? Yeah. Right. A protest? <laughs> a protest. Yeah, not the $125,000 bribe. But, or like okay. Nixon. <laughs> anyway, or like Trump. He might, he might come out a few years from now and say he regrets working for Donald Trump because he didn't get a full pardon. He only got the commutation. Anyway, Roger Stone is a bonehead. He's a snappy dresser. Is he? Oh, look up. I feel like I only ever see like his face in photos, and he always looks a little bit like stunned old man. He is, he always looks like that. I think that's the Adderall, but he is a snappy dresser. <laughs> oh my god, I like these glasses. He has like perfectly circular glasses. I'm kind of into. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. He looks so derpy. Anyway. Um, yeah, and... Oh, he wears nice hats, too. Okay, cool. Everyone? We strongly suggest that our listeners look up photos of Roger Stone. Right. Come on, baby. Get down. The kitty cat's on the... Flow. Flow. Get down. Thank you. Jesus Christ. One of these days, um, with an episode, we should post pictures of our animals invading our space. Um, my, I, I, uh, have, I have a lot of those already, so whenever you're ready. My uh, partner's mom has this shih tzu named Chloe, and Chloe either thinks she's a cat or legitimately gets jealous of my keyboard because when I'm working, she just lays her whole body across the keyboard and I can't type. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty cute, but also she smells because the German Shepherd feels on her. Oyster. <laughs> what you got? Um, something most depressing. Oh. I want to talk about what's happening down at uh, the LaSalle, the detention center in Georgia run by LaSalle Corrections in Irwin County. Yeah, let's talk about eugenics. Okay, so a nurse at the Irwin County Detention Center in Georgia uh, filed um, a whistleblower complaint 
about a a number of things um about how you know how poorly the covid shit is being run and other neglected medical complaints and other things the complaints like 27 pages long i started to read it before we got on and i was like i can't (laughs) i had to have dinner and it was just too depressing so um the biggest thing in this complaint was that women are getting hysterectomies and not being told until afterwards not they're 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 not they're being lied to about yeah. it basically they're saying a lot of them are saying that oh you have a cyst we need to drain the cyst and then it turns into a full-blown surgery and they wake up um, with scars and their uterus and fallopian tubes have been taken out. Um, yeah. She filed this complaint with the Department of Homeland Security's Office of Inspector General with the help of uh, attorneys from the Government Accountability Project. Some of these attorneys actually represent some of the women already. Mm-hmm. Um, and also in conjunction with Project South, which is another uh, civil rights watchdog group. Um, and Project South actually gathered a lot of comments from these women, uh, all, you know, claimed to be illegal immigrants being held for years on end at this place. Like, just, I don't know why they're being held for three or four years at a time. I really don't. Yeah. It's just unconscionable. Like, okay. I, don't, I don't know how anyone would ever justify that behavior. Like, that is, like, Nazi experiment level bullshit. Well, yes. And you'll be more infuriated when you find out that Um, That doctor was brought up on Medicare and Medicaid fraud charges and paid a huge settlement in 2015. Let me me get to a few things first. Um, So the nurse's last name is Wooten. Her name is Dawn Wooten, W-O-O-T-E-N. She worked uh, as a nurse inside the facility. Mind you, when... um, she complained to her superiors she uh, was demoted to one shift a week uh, in July. Um, this is all over. You can get this on The Intercept, NBC, Forbes, Business Insider. Um, Vice Magazine did a number of interviews with some of the women specifically. One of them we're going to call Jane Doe One. Um, she says she initially sought medical help for irregular menstrual bleeding and pain while she was in the, in Irwin. And after an ultrasound, um, she says she was told she had three ovarian cysts, including one the size of a golf ball, and needed an emergency procedure. They told her that they were going to drain them, the cysts, and that was it. Um Now, that was 
even the draining wasn't fully explained to her, like how they would go about it. Was it like orthoscopic? Was it going to be transvaginal? Like no, none of that was actually explained to her. They got an interpreter for her, but that interpreter only spoke half span, like kind of Spanish, not really Spanish. Like my bet, my really bad Spanglish is about as close. Yeah, it's like yeah. you can like order at a restaurant or find a bus. You can't tell someone about their surgery. Yeah, exactly. Um, so and then after the surgery, she complained about excessive pain and bleeding. Um, and she wasn't given antibiotics until weeks later. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, she's just one of five women that the um that uh vice media talked to and also that are in the project south uh complaint um it's also alleged that there are up to 18 women that have had such procedures um there's a uh, milady uh cardenci fernandez 39 year old woman from cuba um she's also had procedures that she doesn't understand she requested medical attention after realizing that her period was late and was told that uh, she had cysts. Like, this is, like, this is what they tell them, and then they get them under the knife and sterilize them, right? Um, she was initially told that she was going get, to get pills for the cysts, but she never got those. And after a follow-up, she recalled the doctor told her that the cysts had grown and that, quote, you need emergency surgery. Um Again, same sort of interpreter response, sort of like as weak as I can order tacos and a Corona. I don't, I can't tell you what a cyst is kind of thing. Um, she was now, she was more explicit. She said she was going to have like one incision, but instead she woke up with three and uh, said that the three scars were quite large on her abdomen. Yeah. And there was Maria. Huh? Go ahead. Um, yeah, I like I know women who've had hysterectomies and that's a major surgery and you can tell. Oh yeah. You can tell. It's also gonna throw off your entire hormonal balance for the rest yeah. of your life. So it completely fuck you up. You go straight into menopause and Yeah. It's uh and you, I mean, you still have to take pills to to maintain hormone balance because your body's not creating the hormones that it was normally supposed to create anymore. Yeah. Um, there was Maria, also. She's fifty three. She was no, she wasn't in Irwin at the time this complaint came out. She'd already been deported back to El Salvador in twenty eighteen. Same thing. She underwent three surgeries while she was detained in Irwin. None were fully explained to her, and. She had 16 stitches in her abdomen when she came out. And a fellow detainee who had also gone through the procedure had said that she had her uterus removed. Um, people are still trying to get a hold of her medical records, but they're, of course, nowhere to be found. So let's talk about this doctor. Uh, his name is, he's been named as Dr. Mahendra Amin. He practices in Douglas County, Georgia, and has continued to see women in Irwin County for the past several years, despite several complaints from his patients. And um, 
he was the subject of a Justice Department investigation in 2015 for making false claims to Medicare and Medicaid. The settlement of $525,000, it was after an investigation into alleged violations of the federal anti-kickback statute, the federal Stark law, and related Medicaid practices. Um, And they all concerned the amount of compensation he was being paid um, and uh, other leases with co-defendant, which is the prison. And that investigation began with a lawsuit filed by another two whistleblower women uh, for under false claims and uh, for, you know Medicaid fraud and whatever. And they're just private citizens. So mm-hmm. it's not clear as to if they underwent procedures with him or if they worked with him in another hospital or another prison. But uh, the government knew that he was suspect and they would you stop that, please? Thank you. That's your cat. Yeah, all three of them right there. Oh, my uh, God, really? Yeah, there's a little bit of a tussle at my feet. Um, so the government knows he's a piece of shit and he shouldn't be working in there. And it certainly sounds to me like he's sterilizing these women. Yeah. You know, I mean... There are not that many instances where you would need a hysterectomy at that mm. age. Like, you hear about people maybe, like, in their 60s who might choose to have one. But it sounds like a lot of these women are younger, you know? And it's yeah. like, and it sounds like there's so many, well, they were just lied to. You know, They're just lied to. Completely lied to. Oh, you have a cyst. Make no, here's consent. a No, I mean I have I've had cysts in the past. Doctors like you know they're you know, it depends on what kind there's a couple of different kinds of cysts. Some cysts will eventually go away on their own or just erupt on their own, and then you're gonna have to go in and get some antibiotics. You always have to have antibiotics on hand if you have them. Um other ones you actually do have to have removed because they can get pretty gnarly and wrap wrap around your organs. Mm-hmm. But but um, it sounds to me that these women are saying that it was an excuse to get them on the operating table and and then just rummage well, around. It seems crazy that one doctor who's like not a specialist in this, you know, it's not like these women have gynecology gynecology gynecological yeah issues and they're like going to a surgeon it's like they're like oh i'm not feeling very well down there can you have a look you know that can be like many different issues right you know like yeah i just this is like so illegal yeah yeah i mean and this is um this is on top of the COVID concerns that Wooten reported. Like, okay, so Wooten is, she said, I've got sickle cell anemia. And the the head of this detention center, LaSalle Correct, that's run by LaSalle Corrections, which, by the way, is private corporation prison. This, so we're clear on that. You, everybody, I think, now knows where we stand on that. 
um, the uh, you know the the muckety mucks of this place wouldn't even tell the staff who was infected with COVID. Oh my god! Yeah. Do they care about anybody? No. No. No one's getting testing there. There's no, you know, obviously there's no PPE. Um, there's no proper COVID medical care. And uh, so, you know, Wooten is put at risk because of her sickle cells. Her family is being put at risk. Everybody else that works there is being put at risk because it's just like, it's for pro- it's for profit. Yeah. No one gives two, fuck- two fucks about these people. That's why they're keeping him for four years because it's for profit. Yeah, I guess. And like we can go into it another time, but LaSalle is um is its own LaSalle Corrections is its own problematic corporation. Yeah. And we can go into that we could do a whole fucking Netflix series on on that company. It's really bad. It's like uh, I got into a Facebook argument today, which I know I'm not supposed to do. Uh, but it was someone... Who says you're not supposed to do that? It's your fucking Facebook page. Yeah, but what if one day I decide to become vice president or something? And they're like... Fine. <laughs> it's too late for me. I don't care. But if you if you need to be careful, just word your, word your shit properly. I do not. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I just get too mad and I start to just rah, um, while I'm like brushing my teeth. Mm. <laughs> but so one of the people who I was talking to me was trying to make this argument about how the federal government should be as small as humanly possible and then private companies and nonprofits should handle anything related to. Um, like human rights, no, you know, or like the safety net. I'm like this. This is why we can't have that. Is no. because for profit prisons, for profit anything, it, it just turns into wanting to make money. You know. I mean, we're dealing with for profit health insurance, for profit prisons. How's that turning out for all of us? Not fucking great. Why the fuck would we allow the federal government to be as small as fucking possible like why would we allow that it's like we still can't get it right and our federal government's huge money is really shiny and people will go towards it like a like a moth to a flame you know like because they're weak turds well, yeah, don't just, get me wrong. I love my money too. I work really hard for my fucking money, but I'm—I would never put someone's life in danger for more money. Never. Yeah, it's just like experts spend their whole lives studying the proper way of doing these things. They should be the ones that are like helping create a system, and they're the ones that are not involved with for-profit companies. <laughs> You know, I mean, oversight and transparency, you know, like, I'm sure these women, I'm sure every single person at ICE Detention Facility, to be honest, would love for us to have more oversight over bullshit like that. ICE should 
I should just be fucking gone as far as I'm concerned. Later days, motherfuckers, you were created as a knee-jerk reaction after 9-11, and we don't need you anymore. They're definitely pretty rampant civil rights <laughs> Violators. Just yeah. all around. The whole, the whole fucking department. Department of Homeland Security? What are we, Nazi Germany? Come on. Don't you think the other departments were already covering all that shit? Yeah. Come on. Just... Pick a fucking acronym. Pick one. <laughs> DEA, FBI, CIA, NSA. We weren't covered already? Yeah, I mean... I don't... I don't find illegal immigrants to be that dangerous. They're I not! Mean, They're... We have... Okay, so... We have, like, teenage, like, white boys who are driving to an entirely different city with a gun to stand at a protest because they want to be a cop someday and then they shoot someone. I'm kind of worried about that person, personally. Most, most, I mean, let's be real. I mean, I'm not going to make a blanket statement here because that's always what gets you into trouble. But quite frankly, most of the people that are here illegally are working, paying taxes, sending their children to school, making nice with their neighbors, going to church, contributing to their community. And they're also taking those jobs that sustain communities that you fucking pretentious white folk don't want to take. Yeah. Like janitorial ships and cooks and diners and and sweeping up on the subway. And, you know, and they... And they all work like four or five jobs. Come on. Yeah. (sighs) Anyway. Yeah, I mean, I I read an article about the hysterectomies, and I just... It's like... What do you even do with that information? It's it's just... So many people need to be arrested. If you don't... Like, if you... If you don't understand that the brown shirts are actually here now, like, we're here. They're giving women hysterectomies on the border. And they're saying that they're illegal aliens and that they, and that we're not doing it illegally, that they needed it or we're not doing it. No. No. They want to take your Roe v. Way away. Don't you understand what's happening here? New yeah. York, Portland, and Seattle are now anarchist districts in this country. What the fuck is happening? What do you think is going to happen with that? I am terrified. Because he knows if he leaves the White House, he's got criminal charges pending against him. Yeah. I don't know why the fuck he wouldn't just leave under the cover of darkness and go somewhere where there's no extradition. He's got more money than God. Go hang out with Duarte in the Philippines. He loves you. You guys are buddies. Go do that. Go hang out in fucking North Korea. Go t- go take umbrage with your boy Putin in Russia and go live there for the rest of your fucking life. Go. We don't want you here. You're destroying our country. I would give a limb to be a fly on the wall in the White House right now. 
I just wonder what is actually happening behind closed doors, because I get the sense that he might be scared. Oh, I think he's scared. And I'm not worried about him. I'm worried about everybody around him. His enablers. Yeah. Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, Mitt Romney. Here's something that you can do is um, support congressional campaigns. Oh, yeah. If you're trying to spend your money wisely, donate to, um, to, to, like, try to flip the Senate. That's, that is, to me, that is more important than the, the presidential election. Yeah. We need to take back the Senate because then, then if the, if the Democrats control the Senate, then Mitch McConnell doesn't have as much power. He'll still have power, but he won't have as much power. And neither will that fucking flaming orange dumpster fire in the White House. I know. It, girl, when I texted you about RBG, I poured myself the biggest glass of wine I've ever poured and cried the rest of the night. Mm. I was so upset. Yeah. I mean, I have, I personally have a lot of frustration with RGP. Um, there's certainly decisions that I don't agree with, and I think that she was idealistic and should have retired under Obama. Um, I think that she did not play the game very well. I think she was against playing the game. And that's, that's admirable okay. in theory when Hillary Clinton's president, but not with Trump. Um, I just, I just think that, um, I think that... Republicans are really good at being ruthless because Republicans fight from this like culture war stance, right? Where it's about God and it's about like morality, you know? And I mean, I like grew up in a Republican house. I used to be very Republican. Like I understand where they're coming from, where it's like, if like they think that if Democrats have any power, the world's going to end. And that's why they're so fierce, you know? Okay, they think they're the, literally it, protecting the soul of America. I know, it didn't, like end that. For, didn't end for eight years when Obama was president. Didn't end yeah. for eight years when Clinton was president. It nearly ended when your boy GW was president. Nearly ended when Reagan was president. How about that? But it's just like, but like, Democrats need to... And, like, progressive need to kind of, like, learn from that and be, like, there are so many real people who are being harmed. People harmed by these policies. Like, we need to ramp it up. <laughs> I was just going to say, we need, they need to fucking grow a pair of whatever it is they need a pair of. But they need a pair of something. They need to start getting a little more strategic yeah do you know that trump has appointed almost 200 judges to the federal bench yes Mm -hmm. and no one was paying attention to it well not enough people were paying attention to it by any means um i remember learning about it as it was happening and just being like wow Mm mm-hmm Anyway, um, ouch. 
Do you have any uh, final thoughts for this admittedly gloomy episode? Um, register to vote. Mm-hmm. Vote in person if you can't. I am voting in person on the first day. I'm going to go first day. Um, no. If there's something else that you want to do in terms of political action, uh, you should call your senator in support of the HEROES Act, um, which is wending its way through Congress. It is the bill that's been put together by Democrats. And, I mean, it was originally created to help better fund... um, It's like a COVID-19... Um, economic aid package basically is how it started Mm -hmm. Uh, but they would also um, greatly expand um, mail-in voting I would also recommend that you get online and look at those fights for the Senate seats Mitch McConnell it's got Amy McGrath running a really good fight against him in Kentucky Um, Jamie, I forgot his last name. I am so sorry. Is running a really good, strong fight against Lindsey Graham in South Carolina. Martha McSally, who was appointed her last term, um, is in a delicate place. And, um, Susan Collins is also losing her fight in Maine. If you Google those fights, you can find out her opponent and donate two bucks, five bucks, 25 bucks, whatever you can to her opponent's fight. Um, there's also a lot of other places where you can donate broadly. It won't necessarily go to Joe Biden's campaign. It'll go across the country to fight those congressional seats and local smaller districts that also need, um, help fighting. Jamie Harrison is running against Lindsey Graham. Yes. Yes. He's, he's been out there with, uh, Black Lives Matter. He's, um, always been very involved in his community. Um, I like him very much. I've given him money. I've given Amy McGrath money. I've given um, um, a bunch of people, like, just Act Blue is another one. Just, here's my money. Yeah. Um, I've been doing that since COVID started. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And everyone needs to do their part, you know. So, there's also, like, phone banking options. Um, I'm writing a newsletter for um, some... Uh, Houston for a Houston Democrat group. Um, yeah, for for the phone banking options, um, there's this podcast called Pod Save America. These guys are Ob- former Obama speechwriters. One of them is married to one of our favorite people, Ronan Farrow, <laughs> and they started a thing where you can sponsor a battleground state and you can phone bank for that state. So go to PodSaveAmerica.com and look up it. They will help you. It's Wisconsin, Arizona, and a couple other places. Um, yeah. They can help you find the resources to do that. And then Indivisible also has. That's the um, organization I'm affiliated with. Indivisible okay. has quite a bit of resources as well on both the state and federal level. I heard somebody from Indivisible on a newscast this morning that was aired last night. So that's nice. I am the, um, what's my title? Oh, you have a title? Yes, I am um, press assistant. Nice. To Indivisible Houston. I think it was Rachel Maddow or The Daily. 
I get emails from whoever they talk to. Mm-hmm. Because there's like a national thing that they send. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't watch. I don't watch like, the news. At, yay! I don't watch the news at night because it gives me nightmares. I listen to it in the morning with coffee. Anyway, refreshed and rejuvenated from my seven hours of sleep. I think that's all for. Let me start that one over. <laughs> that's all for Crime Talk BK. Uh, join us every Saturday from 11 a.m. to noon, and we hope you'll listen in next week. Later, days. I can't be a pessimist because I'm alive. To be a pessimist means that you agree that human life is an academic matter. So I'm forced to be an optimist. I'm forced to believe that we can survive whatever we must survive. The table about to turn. The table about to turn. The table about to turn. Yeah. Uh, I've been flipping through my timeline. Trying to get my mind right. My city cried out. I got to cool down. But I'm under pressure. Looking with my Crisco. Look at where my fist go. A renegade when I'm in a rage. I got to cool down. I keep my hands dirty, my mind clean, got a new agenda, with a new dream. I'm kicking out the old regime, liberation, elevation, education. America, you a lie, but the whole world about to testify. I said the whole world about to testify, and the table's about to, the, the table's about to turn. Yeah.